0: Ah. Hello and welcome to the TFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by JJ Bull, the Mallard. Hello, Joe Devine. How are you, Mallard
1: boy? I'm looking forward to a very fast 10-minute podcast episode today.
0: We haven't left ourselves very long. But also, we're joined by another man for whom height is no issue. It's Seb Stafford-Blore. Hi, Seb. Hello, Joe Devine. Height is no issue at all. How are you doing out there in Germany? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you very much for asking. Good. Well, today we're going to talk about a handful of things. Uh, Of course, we've been away. Do you remember when I said? We'll be back in a week. It's been a long old week, a week containing about three or four other weeks. Uh, But as a result of that, we've missed loads of things that we could have talked about. Like, uh, for example, Jack Grealish potentially moving to Manchester City. Uh, Today, as we record, Harry Kane, he hasn't gone to training. There's these things, and there's other things that Seb has kindly put in a plan that I haven't read yet. So we'll be getting to those later on in today's episode. Uh, But for now, I will leave you in the warm hands and the oh-so-cool embrace of the mallard. Seb, where else to start? But with the, oh, goodness me, the news, Harry Kane is skiving off work, apparently. I don't actually know what's happening. What's happening? Oh, I don't want to talk about this, but yes,
2: uh, Harry Kane has not returned to Tottenham training. He was due to come back after his post Euros break on Monday, Uh. and there is no sign of him. And at the moment, at the time we're recording, Tottenham have actually offered no comment. But pretty much every major media outlet in the UK is reporting that he is refusing to wants to have a, a big old chat with Daniel Levy and hash out terms for him to leave. So yeah, big old muddle. It's it's kind of strange because it, it feels as if it feels as if since the news that Harry Kane wanted to leave Tottenham broke, absolutely nothing has happened. And I mean nothing. No one has made a bid no one has uh commented there's been no significant movement in any direction and then today it feels like he's he's gone from like stage one or two of transfer annoyance to stage 11 which is the kind of the the go and strike not turn up to work uh burn all my bridges in one go sort of way
0: well i mean does it look like he's not gonna get a move then because this is a fairly serious thing isn't it if if uh if the, the reports are to be believed, have that uh, he hasn't gone into training to try to force through a move. I guess the complication is also that there are other reports out there about City moving for Jack Grealish. Do they have the money to buy both players?
2: Well, two problems there. Like The first one, yeah, if you, if you spend £100 million on Jack Grealish, even for Manchester City, you'd presume that would put a little bit of a dent in their budget. <laughs> but the other problem is, if you're willing to pay £100 million for Jack Grealish then that's probably something that Daniel Levy will use against you in a negotiation. Yeah. Uh, Jack Grealish is a wonderful player. I love watching him. But Harry Kane has more Premier League golden boots than Jack Grealish has Premier League seasons. Sure. So it's uh, you'd you think £100 million Jack Grealish, £150 million Harry Kane, probably even at 28, uh, even with bad ankles. Because he signed that
0: the- six-year contract, didn't he? I mean, that's his real problem. He signed the six-year contract. How many years has he got left on that? Three?
2: He's got three more. So there's no real contract pressure at work. He hasn't really got the kind of... He can't use the threat of leaving for free next year, as you've seen with like... Remember what happened with Robin Van Persie? Yeah. It's not really one of those. And what, what I find strange is that in many ways, he is at the mercy of Daniel Levy's judgment or at the mm. mercy of Daniel Levy's whatever you want to term, uh, the emotion which lets you leave, allow allow your, your star player to leave whatever that quality is. Uh, I don't think Daniel Levy has a lot of it. And yet he seems to have spent, or not Harry Kane, Harry Kane's representative, uh, he's represented by his brother. He seems to have spent the summer antagonizing Daniel Levy and creating a context which would probably annoy you if you were Levy. You're thinking, okay, well, you know, this isn't going to make me uh, drop my asking price. It's not going to weaken my resolve to keep hold of you. It seems to be, unless there's something that is uh, much too smart for me to understand going on, then I don't get what the end game is to this style of negotiation. Really.
0: Well, JJ, here's a question for you then, right? If uh, if Manchester City don't buy Harry Kane, let's just say that the season continues as is, they don't really need a striker, do they? They did fine with that one last year.
1: They've got Gabriel Jesus. They also have uh, Liam Delap, who is son of Rory, really in the reserves. Yeah, yeah. He's really highly thought of. Oh, I didn't know that. He'll be in the first team squad, apparently, but probably not starting a lot.
0: Can he throw the ball really far? I don't think he can. Do you think people ask him that all the time?
1: Yeah, it's not like in that old game. It's not Pokemon. It was never one called Monster Hunter, something like that. Sure. I can't remember what it was, but you could breed the two... If you had, not a Pokemon, but two different monsters... And you could breed them to create new monsters with traits of each.
0: You could create Rory Delap. L- de is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, Rory Delap could mate with another monster and create, <laughs> and create, and create Liam Delap. So that's what they've done in this version of whatever that game was called. I can't remember. Back anyway, to it's tactics, safety, and tactics. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Liam Lap is a more of a. They're uh, more of an all rounder. He's not like Gabriel Jesus, who's like a false nine, very nippy, nippy little
0: man. Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, yeah, it's sort of Portuguese. He's Brazilian, isn't he? Oh, yeah.
1: I guess yes, that makes sense. Jesus, sure. thank you for correcting me, Jordan. No,
0: no problem. I'll do it loudly every time.
1: Uh, they would like to have another striker. the whole point they're trying to get Harry Kane. They're trying to. What they often lack is um, being able to not mix it up and go to Plan B, as people will say. But y- you want to have a focal point of your attack who scores lots of goals. Yeah. And while Jesus will score a lot of goals uh, for you, he's not going to be someone who can attack high balls. He's not someone who can annoy defenders by being a physical presence and threat. That's what they hope He doesn't necessarily
0: goes. broaden their options.
1: No. And, I mean, uh, Pep worked with Lewandowski at Bayern Munich and imagine that's... I mean, he he did bring, bring in Zlatan Ibrahimovic at Barcelona once, so he clearly has an idea in his mind of having this kind of big, tall, physical striker. Yeah. Kane is just guaranteed 20 to 25 goals a season and yeah. often scores above his XG and that's kind of what Man City would like to do because they're always on their XG so if you have someone that gives you the extra the little X mm. G factor
0: the X factor in the G yeah, yeah
1: then that might be what gets them over the line in Champions League and helps them when they, when they, well Liverpool won the league Man City didn't lo- lose the league Liverpool won the league they were way over their XG by miles they were just overscoring, and City were right level mm. even though City kind of so it says he technically should have been the better team, but they weren't cause Liverpool only preferred. Yeah. And so, yeah, Kane would be their target because of what he's going to bring to them. But yeah, like you said, Kane's completely goosed himself.
0: He must be tired, though, as well. Right? I mean, uh, Seb, I don't know if this is fair or not, but as a, as a sort of ordinary viewer, I look at Kane playing football and I, I, I see Wayne Rooney. I see someone who, by the time he gets to 31, is going to be too tired to be as good as he is now. Is yeah. that unfair?
2: No, I think it's partly to do with his body shape. So when he's, when Kane is either uh, highly fatigued or coming back from injury, he has a habit of lumbering. He's a bit lumbery. He's, he's, yeah. not, he's not a fluid mover at the best he of hunches. times. He hunches. He does a bit. And because he's big and quite bulky and muscular, it looks like you watch him run, and you think, God, you wouldn't want to be his knees or his ankles, yeah. you know, or yeah. his hips or anything. getting um, a pounding. But I, I wonder whether this has come up (laughs) this is this has come up three or four times like kane has had a a little bit of a not a goal scoring slump but a slump in performance and a a slump in fluidity (laughs) it's not helpful just to see a massive version of jj's face laughing it's harder than in the studio And every time he reaches this point he rebounds and starts scoring again and people start saying things like actually he's playing the best footballer's career now and look he's added a new thing into his game and then people who've said things like oh his performances aren't very good anymore or there's a very famous comment on Twitter where somebody dug out one of those data radars during one of Kane's slums and said something like oh this is just a really bang average sort of championship standard player now. And that was I don't know six months before he scored another twenty five Premier
0: League goals in a season or something. Sure, it's so, a tough one to to analyse in that sense, isn't he? Yeah,
2: he is. He's he's his thing is making people look silly with their predictions. So maybe we won't add ourselves to that pile. But I do think that there is. I am actually going to add myself to that pile now. He looks twenty eight now, like as a uh, as a footballer. He looks like someone who's still in his prime but it's probably he looks like he might be on the back end of it i don't know it's um it's the number of ankle injuries the number of the, the amount of football he's had to play and he has this habit of particularly during the pochettino era of he played an awful lot of games where he didn't have to be on the pitch yeah. and that's always been a kind of background concern for tottenham fans so i don't know i i i am wary of what he's done before it's just that we've reached a fork in the road and actually the urgency with which kane is pressing the situation suggests that he now feels time is of the essence and i understand that i understand his frustration is with spurs it's nothing that we all haven't felt as spurs fans but it's a it's a really bold move and it, it's a, it's such a sad thing though isn't it because he's done so many good things in a tottenham shirt and no matter what happens from this point on today monday and the decision not to turn up in training this is part of of his not legacy but it's part of his tottenham cv forever you can't take something like that back which is it's a real shame. Interesting, Interesting, JJ. Okay, so Joe's walked out on us, but he just he just and
1: to he just, be clear, Joe has literally walked out of the studio. The
2: thing the thing about Joe though is that Joe really, really, really likes professionalism. And anything, even if it's not really related to him or his interests, if something isn't professional, it antagonizes him to an almost it just he finds mm. it intolerable. So I think what we've just seen there is, is that basically.
1: I think, I think he told me he got that professionalism from his favourite MP Tom Watson, who always follows for business advice, particularly.
2: Interesting. Okay, so I was having a conversation with someone on social media earlier, and we were talking about valuation and the 100 million pound bid for Jack Grealish or supposed 100 million pound bid for Jack Grealish.
1: Mm.
2: And I was, I felt confident in saying, all right, if Grealish is worth that amount of money, if you are Tottenham, you would be asking for somewhere in the sort of the 150, 175 region. And someone bit back a little bit and said, well, Grealish is younger. He, uh doesn't have the same injury record mm-hmm. he has a bit of an injury record and he was like this is sort of it doesn't make sense why would you why is there such a disparity in their value but then I, am i am i enslaved to the kind of the old way of thinking which is that goals are the game's currency um someone that with an established record is worth more and despite his age if you have if you have that proven track record it's worth more than a than the theory of what somebody may be because you could say right well Jack Grealish has twenty is twenty uh, five. He's got the best year of his career ahead of you ahead of him. But then, in theory, he does. We don't know. For instance, that he's not one of those players who um, who needs to be the centre of something, who needs to occupy that sort of talisman role. Um, well, what, what would you put value? What value would you put on Kane?
1: I think actual value probably like ninety to a hundred. But what I mean that doesn't mean anything because it's what he's worth to both parties. Yeah. And Levy's not going to let him go because. He's figured out he doesn't have to. Uh I mean he doesn't have to at all. He's got three years in his deal. And much like in Football Manager, when you've got players who PSG are trying to poach, unless they've got a minimum fee release clause, you don't have to sell them. You just don't. So you can keep him for as long as you want. He won't sign a new contract, wherever, that's not gonna happen. And then you get two more years out of him, then you sell him and get some money. And then even an unhappy Kane, I mean he's he's not turned up for training, right? But he's not gonna not turn up for games and he's not gonna yeah. not play as well and trying to score all of the goals that he can. Which so, wouldn't
2: be in his interest if you wanted to. No, of course not. If you wanted to pursue this kind of direction next summer, he will be either 29 or soon to be 29. You need to have a very good season behind you to convince people that you're worth the money. Then, also, like, what, 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 I, don't, I, I don't know whether I'm, I don't know whether I'm biased, or whether I, I'm incapable of looking at this um, objectively. But why is the issue here? Like if Manchester City want you, you're a footballer. Manchester City want Thanks. you. Yeah. A good one you know a really you know strong city. sort of 7.5 out of 10 kind of plan. anyway you're a footballer and manchester city want you if they're not willing to match the asking price then isn't your frustration directed at them because
1: a city no definitely no i wouldn't have thought so but if you're i mean if you were
2: it, it, like you say about the, with the sort of the psg example if you're Daniel Levy and you're negotiating with Manchester City, you're not handing out any discounts because the finances are there or you believe that they are, regardless of what Pep Guardiola says in, in in public. So why would you, if we're led to believe at the moment that City haven't made anything close to a kind of a, an acceptable bid, so why would you sort of, why would your frustration be with Tottenham if there's kind of a, a stated asking price which the club with an almost inexhaustible pile of money won't match. It's a, I don't know. I, I don't know whether that's. I've got too much of a too heavy a Spurs hat on.
1: I mean, I think it is a heavy hat, to be fair. I mean, FFP still exists in some form, doesn't? Does it not? Like, so you might have endless amounts of money, but they start to work within some sort of realm of realisticness.
2: I suppose they do, but whilst the, I mean, the grace period isn't unending, but whilst we're still yet to see kind of how breaches of uh, ffp would be dealt with within the covid period which is two years now instead of just one so i suppose like yes there must still be restra- constraints on what you can spend but they're not quite as well defined as they used to be so if you want to spend money in big big doses now's the time to do it i think it would probably be the philosophy for a, a psg or a um or a chelsea as per last summer or a manchester city
1: and the thing is right I mean, this sounds daft, but if City were to sign like a seventy and an eighty and a fifty and a sixty million pound player, it'd be they can do the mass in this very quickly. Maybe the same amount of money they're going to spend on just a Grealish and Kane. Yeah, overall, this sounds a bit nuts because it's all in one. All the eggs are in one transfer basket. It's
2: also. I think it changes the conversation about city a little bit because there was it's been quoted quite a lot over the last few few days but there's been there was that guardiola comment where he talked about well we we don't just go out and buy 100 million pounds 100 million million pound players which is a little bit of a dig at man united i guess but also like if you look at the patterns of their spending they're quite careful not to go beyond a certain level mm-hmm. i mean they'll go up to about sort of 60 but the idea of them they don't spend at psg levels basically is what i'm trying to say now as soon as if you spend even if you just do the British deal I think it changes a little bit because um, football world is very very strange and you know even the traditional powerhouses don't have any money and then without really selling anybody Man City go out and spend potentially 250 million pounds it's a it's a it's a change in the nature of the conversation it's like a that you bracket yourself as a very particular type of club um, in the transfer market I think
1: I just don't think this is going to happen I don't think they'll be able to buy him
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more.
2: Let's talk about something more interesting. Let's talk about Aberdeen. Oh, yes. Let's do that. So, Conference League, Aberdeen are in the Conference League, and who have they drawn?
1: Uh, Well, it's not Spurs, which I'm very thankful for as a supporter of Aberdeen Football Club. They've been drawn against Limassol or Carabaig.
2: By UEFA Conference League standards, the league that hasn't actually begun yet, that's quite tough. Carabaig are a nasty team to play away from home.
1: Yeah, Aberdeen, there's something about it. I don't know if it's just the... I'm sure a lot of clubs have pessimistic fans, but just just, one year we got into Europa League very well. The first team we got was Burnley. Which, I mean, might not sound like a, a terrible um, draw, but when you consider of the budgets, the difference between the two clubs, it's enormous. Like Burnley will sign players for 10 and 11 million players at a time and that'll be Aberdeen's budget for about five seasons. Yeah, you, you want to avoid those just so you can get in because the money you get when you get into a group stage, even at conference league level, could be club changing.
2: What's Aberdeen's record buy? Who is? Uh, Aberdeen's by even... <laughs>
1: Uh, the record buy for Aberdeen Football Club is Paul Bernard in I think the 1997 season for do you want to guess what the total of the purchase was uh,
2: d- 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 uh, £875,000
1: it was £1,000,000 and really? that's what we're dealing with yeah that, and that so they've come nowhere close to that ever since and the club's changed a lot since then but there's a thing so like Carabae could be a difficult uh, they're quite far away as I recall Carabae yeah it's in Azerbaijan yeah yeah there was. It might be that team where was never one Aberdeen played in a Europa League qualifier, where it was closer to China than Aberdeen is to Middlesbrough, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but then you can, I mean, the travel isn't the enemy, but the. It's a little it's, bit the enemy. I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, both teams have to travel, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was a good thing. I was really worried they were going to get Spurs because it seemed like the inevitable thing that would happen. Um, Limassol are ranked 205th apparently in UEFA club rankings Carabag are 69th Aberdeen are in the middle at 151
2: what else has so I haven't seen you since the night of the European Championship final and that was at about one in the morning where like London was like a sort of a scene from like a Mad Max film what has excited you about football since?
1: Um, watching Aberdeen play genuinely Uh, it's all changed so for Watching a club you support suddenly be entertaining to watch, which is feels new, um, and capable of winning games by a scoreline of more than one nil, that's been really fun. I enjoy the whole transfer saga thing, and I also like watching teams build towards a season. Yeah. So I find yeah. that I'm trying to think what else. Don't I quite you? like it. I quite like it when um, it's about like late
2: July and a team have put together like a chain of two or three really good signings, and you think. And you're invariably proved wrong, but you think, oh, that's going to be really interesting. And that's like, so Leicester City. So one of the things on our um, podcast plan is the Community Shield, which is coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. And Leicester City, one of the signings is Ryan Bertrand, good player. But I think the two that have really caught the eye and captured imagination are uh, Samaria and Dhaka. They are this year's club where on every other club of a certain level, uses their activity to flog their own chairman or sporting director. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see sort of, oh, DACA being snagged and Samari being, I, I think they got him for less than 20 million pounds or something um, from Lille. And everybody else sort of starts abusing social media executives on Twitter. <laughs> they feel like that and it's it's kind of, you're, you're too far away for the, from the season to be kind of cynical or to be sort of too focused on your own, your own team. So you have a kind of reflective, even-tempered perspective on the air. It's kind of fun.
1: Well, that also chimes with my actual other favourite thing about football in the off-season is when football manager wonder kids are signed by clubs you know, so you get to see them play and okay. you get to see give, who they are. Give me an example. Well, DACA is one. Yeah. so okay. I mean this kind of player that, I mean not even football manager just a player you've known about well, that I've known about certainly for a few seasons now playing in Austria where he's been in fact we've just done a video for it in T4 IRL um, on DACA and what he brings so he's 27 goals in 28 games last season at Salzburg he basically stepped up to replace Haaland when he went to Dortmund and has yeah. done that um, exceptionally well he's Leicester signed him as like a um, again, more detail on this in the video, but uh, they've signed him as a replacement almost for Jimmy Vardy, so he won't be in the team straight away. Rogers has said he's going to be a bit of a development year for him. But he's very similar in style to how Vardy plays. Not a few touches per game, plays off the last man, times his run so he's at full speed with the time the ball arrives at him rather than being having to run beyond from a starting position level with the defender, if that makes sense. Yeah. Bit of a poacher. And they were looking at Odds Edward at Celtic, which is a very different player, but similar to... I suppose in style more to Ihe in that he's more of a 9.5 between a 10 and a 9 takes more touches more likely to link with play and so that's quite fun bubakari's Samari is meant to be like a Telemans almost addition there's a good chance that Telemans I'd imagine will go to what's this to help from Leicester probably someone like Liverpool would be the, the thing but they need cover for that sort of player they don't really have that box to box that they've got on the team just now they've got Dennis Pret Priat yeah, basically yeah. basically a 10 um, Chowdhury might be going away on loan he's basically a a DMC, they've not got, I'm definitely missing a player or two from that midfield they can play in there. Yeah, that's kind of one of the fun bits, but you'll see it with Leicester is that they did so well last season, so how do you improve on it? The only way you can do it is by signing really good players that are better than ones you've got. Now the ones they've got that are really good, they signed young as wonder kids and let them develop for a a year or two. Tielemann is a good example. Captain Anderlecht when he was really young came through and was already basically a Champions League level player and that's exactly what he is now but you sign them younger you pay a lot of money but not as much as you do when they're, they're prime Harry Kane when you sign him when he's 21 he's going to be a lot cheaper than he is at 28 So that's the model they've got to follow they can't afford to spend 70, 80 million pounds a player so you spend 30 or 25 on a player you're hoping they become that 70 million player later on and that's really interesting
2: you know what I like about Leicester, actually, is that they've they've kind of fireproofed themselves for future exits. So you, you talked about Tillemans and it wouldn't be a surprise if in a year or two he moved to a like a, a Champions League contending club. At the same time, though, they seem to have spent... And Dak is probably a good example because, as you say, he's not going to be... They're not going to depend on him immediately. So what you've got is these players from lots of different positions who are being integrated, developing little relationships with um, teammates. And then as and when a couple of these players get sold, if they are, they can just step in. And then you're not, yeah. for instance, if you're, if, if Leicester sold Wilfred and Didi this summer and you thought, right, well, we're gonna sell him first. And now we've got our 60, 70, 80 million pounds from Manchester United. Now we need to go out and buy a replacement. If you go to Lille and try and buy Samari after that has happened, and after the whole world knows that you've got 80 million quid burning a hole in your back pocket, All of a sudden, the um, first of all, the negotiations a lot harder. Seen that so many times in football. But also, you're asking a player to come into a new league, new town, new group, and then immediately step into the shoes of one of the best central midfielders in the league. And I suppose the same is true of you know, if if Vardy had left this summer, or if if they'd left the kind of the the Vardy succession plan a couple of years later, you know, longer. Um, But in Leicester, you've got. I remember at the beginning of the transfer window i don't think this is going to happen now but it, it seemed as if people were convinced that james madison was going to leave that he might go and play for arsenal mm-hmm. um do you thought well yeah you don't want to lose him but you could probably take 60 million pounds you wouldn't necessarily have to replace him you'd want to but you wouldn't it wouldn't be an absolute necessity you have They're slightly different players, but you've got Tillemans in that midfield. You've got Harvey Barnes playing out wide You've got Dennis Pratt in there as well You can construct something new out of those parts, even if it doesn't look quite the same and so Leicester seems to be working from an even keel. There's no It's not too reactionary like what I one of my great fears with the Kane situation and Tottenham hat back on is that I've had it a few times people say oh, yeah and 150 million quid a you know good deal and you could you could you know buy three or four players you can't though because First of all, you're left with not enough time to do that. Second, you know that every club on the continent can smell your desperation a mile away. So if you go and, for instance, if you sold Harry Kane tomorrow and you wanted to sign Dusan Vlavic from Fiorentina, well, all of a sudden, the sort of the reported 50 million euros that they want for him becomes 75 and you you expose yourselves to all these inefficiencies. Leicester don't do that. And I really, really like it.
1: It's also part of... um, One of the things that Rodgers does very well is coach players and I mean people like watching them play that's not very easy to do it takes time to to put those things in place with various sessions that you build to make your team play a certain way and by bringing them in early it means you can then sort of drop players in and out because they are uh, there's a cohesion to your team and there's an understanding you see it with Liverpool a lot when they sign new players they don't play straight away because they need to learn the way the team plays before they can go in because they won't be able to function as the way they should until they know how the team functions so again that's quite clever transfer strategy to get them in where they are integrated into the team which is the squad the team before they're just thrown in and expected to you know work out all, all on their own in a few sessions like that
2: it's, it's funny actually let, this is a good time to do this let's take a, an abrupt right turn from uh, well-organized like stuff it. to dysfunction because i want to know a little bit about celtic because whenever i'm on social media I and Celtic are playing, I'm invariably surrounded by really, 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 really angry Celtic fans. Why? Beyond just that they've been eliminated from the Champions League, what, what has happened that's so very bad at Celtic? Oh
1: man, it's just all gone wrong. So there's various, there's lots of complicated stuff behind the scenes that I can't even begin to go into because there's so many different names involved and everything. But um, essentially what's happened is Rangers got really good last season, yeah. went unbeaten in the league, Celtic were supposed to have 10 in a row and they just melted. It just m- melted apart. Um, they have signed, not terrible players, but the recruitment has been poor for ages. The new manager, Ange uh, Postacoglu, Postacoglu, yeah. thank you, um, has repeatedly already made various, I think it's even just, ju- like he's just having a go at the board for not signing players because it seems they're very dysfunctional. doesn't seem to be anyone in charge, really, of bringing in players in particular at the moment. Um and I'm sure Celtic fans will be very quick to correct me on that. But when what they brought in this season, to have a look at their their squad, they brought in a, a defender, Carl Starfelt, a Swedish boy, he comes in as a central defender, um, and that's just one time they needed because they I mean, they just got papped out of the Champions League by FC Midlands right? Who are a decent team as it is. Celtic should be able to put. It's an an error they made that letting the goal in the first leg that gave him a real disadvantage. And that was a goalkeeper, Vasilius Barkas, who they signed last season for a bit of money. The
2: the goal was just whipped across him and he kind of, he looked like he was leaving it and it went in off the back post.
1: It takes a few watches to work out what's going on, yeah. It's It's a free kick from left to right and it just fires across the box and goes in the top corner. And it's very odd he's not saved it, but Barkas is signed to be the next proper goalkeeper for Celtic and he's clearly not good enough. Um, Maybe he'll improve in time. Not good enough now. Five million, I think it cost. That's a lot. And they've got backup option is Scott Bain, who also isn't quite good. And they're definitely up for Champions League level. So they've got the goalkeeper is not there. Then the the back four or five they played in the Champions League was Anthony Ralston, who is basically a reserve right back. Then they have Stephen Welsh, very young centre-back, who I think has done very well, especially towards the end of the last season when he came in. Um Then they've got this young boy who I didn't even know about until he played this season. Another centre-back, I've forgotten his name completely who started then the left back is Greg Taylor who's a very mediocre like a good level Scottish Premiership player but again not the Celtic left back but now the rumours are linking them with the goalkeeper and Joe Hart just because he used to be a name a few years ago this is the thing there's no real like they used to sign decent players based on scouting and Lee Congerton was a guy who was out with Brendan Rodgers when, when he was there at Celtic and, and Rodgers inherited a much better team than, uh, than Pos- Posikoglu has inherited and uh, uh, Congerton's gone as well so in, instead of buying players like Christopher Ryer who's just gone to Brentford or Van Dijk or Osnedward, and Tim Bailey when he was there now they're signing players who, not that they're fit for purpose I'm sure they'll come good but they're not good enough right now at all and so they're in a real mess Rangers have completely overtaken them and they're in danger of they don't need a full squad rebuild, but they're in danger of being really left behind at the moment. It's it's not great at all. That, that Joe
2: Hart story it baffled me because I um I remember when he when he when he turned up at Spurs. Actually, I've done this a few times with Hart when he went to West Ham, when he was at Torino, when he went to Burnley. I thought actually that might do him good. You know, I thought it was a whatever was going on with him was like a temporary situation which he would just click out of. And it hasn't happened. And it hasn't happened now at four clubs. And if you watched him play at Spurs, he just. Whatever he had, and I, I don't like the idea that Joe Hart was never a good player because he mm-hmm. was. Yeah. he was a little bit overhyped because he was English, and he, um, his personality probably got in his own way a few times. I think that's probably fair, but all of that stuff—that's you know—that's a—that's a very old take on Joe Hart now. I see a player looks incredibly vulnerable. He's lost his confidence. He probably has some merit around the club. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but people seem to other other professional footballers seem to like him. They seem to like training with him, and he seems to be popular enough at Spurs. But if I'm Celtic, I'm thinking, right? He's probably coming with pretty hefty wages because he's still Joe Hart and he carries a reputation. Is the intention for him to be a first choice up there? Because that yeah. seems. Well, but the then course, that's it's really weird, JJ, in. because yeah. if you're, you're going to spend money on a player, why are you not looking at, your model at Celtic should surely be, you know, to win the league, of course, but your, your recruiting model should be, I want to be signing players under the age of 23, I want to be giving them a platform to play, and then I need to sell and flip them and use that money to, to kind of perpetuate my own cycle. Johar doesn't fit into that.
1: At all? No. And, and it, it, when you start trying to chase something quickly, rather than doing it to a strategy or with any sort of planning, it looks very uh, haphazard. It's kind of all over the place. Maybe Hart would be good there at Celtic. He'd bring a certain level of professionalism. That that is one of the things that needed as well. Is that Scott Brown has left. He's been their, their yeah. I mean, the cliche. He's their talisman. But he is. He has been the heart of that Celtic team, and he is instantly transformed the way Aberdeen look. They look um, comfortable in possession. They look like strong to the tackle they look like they're not going to just fold apart like wet origami if you put any pressure on them and I think missing that now from the dressing room so this the captain now stepping up will be Callum McGregor who is more of a technical leader than I think a strong shouty man not that you need that as a leader
2: but that's kind of what Scott Brown was in my eyes at least that's that's what yeah. I thought of when I watched Scott, Scott Brown play
1: I mean Scott Brown like will fire into it to, like when Scott, Scott Brown celebrates when he gets tackled when he gets fouled and he gets up and he's not injured, he gets up and he he cheers and like you know pumps his chest out to folk, and the crowd gets really up, and then that just carries on it's this symbiotic thing with the crowd and the players and they all come together like that, so they're missing that now, but then what they need to sign is they need leaders they need technically like like technical players. Watson Edwards, a very good player, and this is another problem they've got is that Edward. On the, along that model is that they'd hoped he'd be worth forty million just now. Mm-hmm. And he probably is. But uh his contract runs out next season and no one's in to buy him. So Leicester came in with a with a bid apparently like a while ago, but then never followed it up. So they didn't they've not got Edward. They don't care because they've got Patson and Dacu, that we we're talking about earlier. So now Celtic don't have that big cash influx, which they relied upon. They don't have the Champions League money that they need to be able to buy these players they want to bring in. And so a lot of it is you have got to be very calculated with how they're doing it. Rangers scouting has been excellent. The players that Gerrard's bought in with whatever scouting network he set up there has made them technically very good, but also they've brought leaders who are able to turn that team into one that could go the entire league season unbeaten. Whereas Celtic are now chasing, and they had all the power. They had all the confidence. Like All the psychological power was theirs, and it's, it's all gone. And now it looks like the behind the scenes is what you see on the pitch. It's a bit of a stromash. There's no real cohesion in anything there's no clear planning and uh, yeah
2: I mean the worrying thing for me is that um, the sort of the angry Celtic fans that I was talking about earlier like it's not even that the kind of when they went out to Midland in the Champions League people weren't really raging against the manager it was kind of people oh, yeah. were kind of professing everything they said with sort of right well I don't really blame Ange Postacoglu this is a this is a board issue and that's like when you're that speaks to really rotten type of dysfunction that's kind of worrying moments in a football club when you don't when when football fans are just in manager out drop this player need another you know 300 million spent you know that kind of stuff that's mm-hmm. kind of okay because that's just day-to-day football fandom really for a lot of people I think now but when you when it's about when you've lost faith in people behind the scenes to make decisions which impact the things you see on the pitch that's a different kind of chaos
1: yeah it's definitely the board that all the fans are annoyed at because they've seen it coming they've seen it slowly happening they weren't very happy last season when Neil Lennon uh, who left you know maybe through the season then there's another thing to do with the planning Neil Lennon left or was released or I can't remember what the actual story was basically he's not there you know he just went and up stepped John Kennedy the assistant manager uh, and that was a while ago in last season and it it took until quite recently for them to bring in uh, the new manager so if you're going to get rid of Lennon, you think they have someone lined up, but either it's failed attempts to hire someone new to take them in or no agreement on what kind of manager they want to take them to the next level. And if they were going to bring in that manager, they should bring him in earlier so he's got a chance to work with scouts and the recruitment department to try and bring in exactly what you need. And it's straight away, it already looks like, I mean, they lost the first game of the season, they lost 2-1 to Hearts uh, and we're not good by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know, it's interesting, at least, for a huge <laughs> role. All right, let's use that
2: to talk about more dysfunction and also to plug the athletic because one of my favorite things to read recently was Stu James's account of what's been going on at Swindon Town. Um, now with some of these articles, you which sort of chart the downfall of football clubs, you can kind of glaze over because a lot of the stuff that you read you've heard before, like there's sort of cliches of bad ownership and disaffected players and angry fans. This is on a completely different level. It's um, it's one of those where you can read certain paragraphs and sometimes you just have to read them again just so that you're absolutely sure you've understood what's happened. But just because it's it's I like, understand. it is a little bit like what might happen if a group of children tried to run a football club. It's, um, it's breathtaking. So do you go and read that. JJ, what's caught your eye on The Athletic lately?
1: Um, loads in researching my uh, video done on T4IRL of Pats and I've read lots of stuff on Pats and Dhaka on the website. Uh, often just by searching his name and it all comes up fact, i learned about loads of different footballers that you just type their names in <laughs> and then you get all sorts of bits and pieces and now i'm on the spot i can't remember all the things i've read but i do read it every day and every i do every
2: single day hey uh danny taylor's interview with the uh, the silver twins was very very interesting it's interesting how you, how you form an opinion of players based on well pretty much nothing and i always saw them as when they're during their time man united when they were together they they just seemed like quite meek unassuming characters turns out they're absolute shit houses, been in, in a good kind of supportive pleasing sort of way and um no they were very very talkative it's a great interview so do go and give that a try on the athletic and if you want a deal for that i dare say there's one going at the moment but if you go to theathletic.com forward slash tifo i think at the moment you can get a free 30-day trial
1: it'll be that is correct
2: that is correct that is good okay so go and do that that would make joe happy also the happier joe is the less likely he is just to flounce out in the middle of a podcast and that just that, that that works for everybody it just it that benefits everyone so if you you go and subscribe go and take advantage of a deal happy joe happy podcast happy jj happy me you know, and we can be sure that the podcast going forward will have a third voice, which was, which would be nice, which would be really nice.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's
2: Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you
1: never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price
0: go to your happy price price line
2: jj i think should we talk about pro evolution soccer a little bit or should we save that for another time
1: i've not played a new one yet so but we could no i think we should talk about it i think it's interesting
2: now there's a lot of terms um so they they announced last week that it's becoming a, a free-to-play game Uh, It's going to be sort of online focused cross platform and all sorts of alarm bells rang in my head because I feel as an older user of Pro Evo, I need a safe space. I need somewhere away from like, away from teenage people that are going to humiliate me online. As we found out in the kind of the, um, in the war zone conversation that you and I had a couple of days ago about the helicopter and the death and you know, all that stuff. (laughs) Um, I don't want Pro Evo to become like that. What is what is new Pro Evo going to look like? Or e football, as I'm obliged to call it now.
1: So, like for, for context for anyone who's not entirely sure, this is Pro Evolution Soccer, also known as PES, um, formerly known as International Superstar Soccer. And I think in like South Korea, Japan, it was called K-League like, K- win- or something? Winning 11, that's winning what 11. it was, Winning 11, yeah, yeah. that's the one. Um, so that's what it is. So they've announced that they're not going to make any new PES, editions of PES. Last one was 2021 it's a good game by all accounts so yeah. you have to play in a counter-attack or you can't win and that sucks however uh, now it's going to be yeah cross-platform so similar to how you know, a lot of games now. this is the thing you had Google Stadia come out and the idea was that you'd be able to you know, uh, actually I don't even know what that is I'm going to just move past that because I don't yeah, know
2: what I, that was I only pretend to know I, what that is really, I, so, yeah.
1: I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to yeah. pretend so like our you know our good old friend Warzone is cross-platform. It means you can play it if you have a PlayStation with your friend who's on Xbox, with your friend who's on PC, you can play it all together. And one of the things that's interesting about football games now is that a lot of people play them not just 1 V1 and two teams, they play them so it's um, 2v2 or 3v3. So in those kind of modes and there's a good one in, in Pro Evo called co-op mode. I think that this is you cannot compete really with FIFA because the amount of money they have behind it is very much like the Man City of the football video game world whereas Pez became the uh, I don't know the one everyone likes but is probably the better one to play but I, I, I derive
2: no enjoyment from FIFA at all I've tried I've tried I just every game is the same
1: Well, what club, club is Pro Evo if if FIFA is Man City it is it's probably
2: a British doorman. Leeds
1: Oh. No. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leads okay. in the championship. That's what they yeah, that's what it yeah. is. Okay. okay. in the championship yeah. versus Man City now. So it's two different. They can still compete, but mm, they're, not no, gonna, no, they're not gonna they're not gonna So yeah, that's the thing now. So now it's cross platform and I mean that'll be a good thing. It'll mean the graphics look probably a bit weird, but they'll scale up on devices that can handle it. But, but- JJ, we,
2: we uh, earlier, okay, so cross platform on I for instance, I can play Warzone against Henry, he's on his Xbox, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But if I'm playing Pro Evo against you and you're on your phone how can that not be rubbish? How can that not be really, really bad?
1: Because I think you have to remember that we are both in our 30s and uh, we are used to playing with a the controller but a generation of children have come through and they are the future. Children are the future, Seb and they play on their phones. I No, accept that. Children are definitely the future. I accept that. But- not the ones who go going to become murderers though, not them. No, not not those
2: ones. No, I don't we don't want those ones in Provo. Definitely don't want to be playing against them online. But also a phone has fewer buttons. So for instance, if I wanted to super cancel, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm where I'm at a corner. So I wanna uh, like I wanna escape my marker at a corner or just some kind of set piece. Right. and I had to do that on a PlayStation with the PlayStation controller. How can I possibly do that on the phone? Um,
1: well, I mean, you can. there are paddles you can get for your phone that turn it into controller, and that's basically the same sort of thing. But yes, I understand. And also the movement of it is not ideal. I don't mean... Even playing Sonic is hard on a phone. It's just there's not a D-pad. And you need that, the physical feel. And that's, the games used to be built because there's a physical feel to the games. So you really feel it when you're playing it. I guess that's me being a bit romantic with it. Um, I, I don't know if it'll work, man, but it's something new it might be really great and I'm going to assume it could work very well the weird thing I think is that a lot of people still play things like Master League whereas this is going to be clearly based I'd imagine towards playing I really My like Club Master League and okay. just online divisions and things like that because that's what yeah. I th- I'd assume that's what most people play because that's certainly what I play I know a lot of people still play Master League and normal leagues against the computer
2: but it also but this is a good thing because Master League is a safe space it's a it's a place where you can convince yourself that you're adequate at the game whilst also remaining really, really bad at it in a way that gets brutally exposed any time you go above, like, Division 7. Like, it's it's a, I feel like it's a, for an older player, it's a barrier to entry. It's off-putting. It's kind of, all right, well, we'll go online and you can beat me 5-0 and, you know, it just turns into something i don't like it feels like something's been taken away from me and i i'm not in the rational you've moved through to the kind of rational optimistic stage i'm still you know in a sort of i don't know why there's so many channels on television frame of mind about this i'm not embracing the future at all like it (laughs) it was fine it didn't need to change it needed to get better it needed it didn't need an overhaul it needed it needed silly things being put right. Like, I, the when I go online, I, I, I need to be able to find someone to play against without just sitting there for 15 minutes. But that's like, your player base,
1: your, yeah. And then how do really you compete with that? With the FIFA player base? You can. Yeah. The ah. menus are also terrible. That's really important. One of the things <laughs> I think is really important, especially talking about the future of it, is how in competitive gaming, esports is going to be a real thing. I mean, it already is a real thing. It is going to be, not exponentially, perhaps, but progressively more and more of a real thing that people see and there are i mean there are elite sports people who play them they are you know they're most of all you think of them being mostly like hooded uh, basement dwelling creatures who just play it but they're not these all these kids are um some of them are actually very fit and they actively make sure they are um, yeah, yeah, yeah. able to compete athletically but uh, it's the thing if it's cross platform what happens i think tends to be is that you'll get PC players tend to be the ones who have all the benefit because they've got different. I mean, different refresh rates on your screen and stuff like that. Getting really nerded out, pretty sorry. quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm already. I'm boring myself while I'm talking about it. Yeah.
2: Okay, I think I'll sum
1: that all up by just saying
2: new stuff is bad. Castolo stop innovating. Stop evolving. Just keep things exactly as they are in a way that I can understand without having to put in any more effort. That's <laughs> why I want from life. Um, I feel like if Joe were here, he would be rolling his eyes at me and saying, uh, well, probably offensive things and probably undermining my confidence, chiseling away. But because he's not, we'll just say a nice goodbye. Goodbye, JJ.
1: Goodbye, Seb. It was lovely Bye, everybody. To you. Yeah, soon. it's been fun. I uh, camera missed, watching me. this. Yeah,
2: thing. but it's... I miss. You know, it's a theme. I miss the the way things were. (laughs) But we are back and we are back to do... uh, So we're going to do the podcast once a week this season. We will have an occasional special series here and there. More on that to come in the future. But you'll be catching us on Tuesday mornings and we'll be recording on Monday. So we shall see you with Joe
1: next week. Yeah, I'll be less likely to leave during most of the shows from now on yeah
2: we've worked we'll, we'll have conversations about what his triggers are what his pressure points are and, and how not to kind of provoke the sort of the reaction we saw today um, and we'll work at that we'll see if we can get him to do 40 minutes next week an hour the week after so you know getting him match sharp yeah just work him into the new season chat thanks everybody